On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Instagram is making a real push to compete with TikTok. I give away a little insider information on Twitter verification requirements. <laughs> Facebook stirs up big drama to prove just how adverse they are to <laughs> Apple's iOS 14 privacy update. And we all have our vices, but find out why food made it onto Santa's naughty list just in time for the holiday season. <laughs> Move over, David Fincher. Google is going full Ed Norton, Brad Pitt, Tyler Durden style with their new web series. And I joined the beta test for Google's new product, Smart Human. <laughs> All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal podcast network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios, located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there. I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on December 25th, 2020. <laughs> Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, you can. Just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. What's up, y'all? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry I think Christ our, this is wild. Our first Christmas episode ever. So mm -hmm. I see we're all wearing something very festive. Well, you two are. I, I don't <laughs> have anything, anything good. I'm sorry. I should have had at least a Santa hat. I know. We could have got you a hat or an ornament to wear around your neck or yeah. something. We got a lot going on here. Yeah, we didn't plan this well. <laughs> we got a show, and that's all I care about. But I know you didn't. We recorded this before Christmas, obviously. Mm. And did anybody get any good gifts this year? Or not get? Oh. Did you have any good gifts to give? Because you wouldn't know yet necessarily. So, yes, but I just want to bring up like a little gripe with that, and that's like fifty percent of the gifts I got this year like aren't going to arrive. And also, some I kind of ordered late, and I'm just going to tell them it was the shipping's fault. <laughs> Ship but it was, like, I got that, like, shipping is behind. But what's, like, really making me angry is that, like, companies aren't setting a proper expectation and, like, adjusting for those shipping times. They're mm -hmm. still telling you, like, the old shipping times. And I ordered something for my college roommates of something, like, I designed. And, like, I put it onto a Tumblr for them. And... Shutterfly was like, okay, if you pay extra for two-day shipping, like, you'll have it on the 21st. And I'm like, cool. So I go on the 21st to check in on this package if it's actually going to arrive before Christmas. And they haven't even made it yet. <gasps> and it's like... That is criminal yeah. that it's not even the shipping problem. You literally didn't have the manufacturing capacity for it, and you still sold me this and told me it was going to be here on the 21st. Like, That's that you can't awful. even blame that on shipping, and I'm going to demand my money back. I'm going to go full Karen on getting <laughs> that priority shipping money that I paid. Yeah. You need to get Marissa, Marissa Mayer on the phone. Get her on the blower. Who's that? Aaron Brockovich? No. Friend of the show? Tumblr. 
Oh. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha, Jess, I can't believe you didn't get that. That was all for you. <laughs> right, Jess, what about you? Do you have any good gifts you're giving this, this year? Well, so I specifically wrote in here, terrible mom. But now that I heard Mark's story, I don't feel that bad. So like... We got a couple, (laughs) thank you, but I have a fix for you. So we got a couple little things for Jack, our son. It's not his first Christmas, it's the second one, but it's his first one that he's aware because he was like two months old last year. And so we wanted to get him, we got him like a book and a drum and fun things. We wanted to get him one of those cool like big play sets that you can stand at like a kitchen or a toolbox or something and we couldn't pick one and now we still haven't ordered it. So I was going to just blame it on the shipping. Plus he doesn't know, so it doesn't matter. But I'm going to do a nice trick that my mom taught me and Mark, you should do this too. You just print a picture of the gift and you tape it to a piece of paper and you write, it's coming. <laughs> and they can oh, that open is, that. That is what I'm doing. Like my dad, like he badly needed like a new cooler because it's the same one from when I was growing up Aww. and it's disgusting and falling apart. And I got him like this really nice, like beautiful Coleman cooler and it was in stock. And literally as soon as I ordered it, it was like this item is out of stock. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what he's getting a picture and like a six pack. (laughs) That works. The good news is all you really need is a box for a one year old. That's true. And that's all that they need is to be able to play around in a box. But we don't have the box because we didn't order the item. Well, we'll have one here. (laughs) We'll have one here you can take home. Thanks, Santa. Go to the liquor store and ask them for a box. I'm there too much. <laughs> <laughs> and then for me, I my kids for some reason like NASCAR. I have no idea how they like NASCAR. I think it's 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 not my cup of tea, let's say. But I got them a racing game so they can race NASCAR and mm. I finally got it set up so they have like a little monitor and each one has a little steering wheel and I'm very excited for them. Like, Colby, can we can we test out and see if it works? And it was like immediately like game on. And so I, I, I'm wondering who's going to use it more, me and my mm. wife or my kids. But I'm really that'll excited. be great family game night. I like don't you guys know. Not if it goes up, the way of Monopoly. You guys can you guys can set up a bracket. <laughs> 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 like it's like the twins can go against each other, and like you and your wife can go against each other, and then the winner of each yes. races each other. Like. That's, yeah, we know how games go in the Finn household, though, and I'm terrified. They're going to crash those cars, and they're not even cars. Not well. Not well is how they go. But if you have a grievance to air or a spicy take to share, anything you want to get off your chest, our phone lines are open. Visit call.marketingoclock.com and leave us a voicemail, and we might play it on next week's show. Do you have an appetite for even more virtual events? Then you need to check out the SEJE Summit. SearchEngineJournal.com slash SEJ-ESummit. If you can't get enough of our beautiful smiling faces, don't forget to snag your ticket to the SEJ eSummit coming up on January 12th and 13th. $150 gets you a ticket, and you'll get to see not only this crew coming at you live on the main stage, but a whole bunch of other amazing speakers with panels on SEO, PPC, social content. There's literally something for everyone. It's going to be the conference of the year. So don't miss it. Speaking of something for everyone, if you are still gifting, don't forget you can treat yourself or a fellow digital marketer to the ultimate Google ads playbook, which is a book, a real book, 
from the one and only Christine Zernheld, a.k.a. Shep, with the help of the team here at our agency, Cypress North. Think of it as the helpful, truthful, wise Santa bringing the gift of Google Ads knowledge compared to the awful Krampus that is Google's Skillshop training. <laughs> and it is available in Kindle format or paperback. So whatever you're into, make sure you grab it if you haven't already. And if you forgot a gift today and you think you're in hot water, Kindle version. Mm-hmm. Boom. Very right important. You're just a master of solutions. That's what I do. You don't even have to print a picture of that. It's digital. <laughs> Can you print a Kindle book? <laughs> Ask the library. And of course, this show this week is brought to you by you. As you've heard, we are headed to the e-summit and I'm bringing you all along. So if you want to tweet a tweet with a question, a take, a poll, something you want to hear at the e-summit, that would be fantastic. And... Last week, we said we are going to give away a shirt, and we found a winner, Nicholas Blazer, at Nicholas J. Blazer on Twitter. He said, got a thought, experiment, idea. Does Google Ads charge less on keyword CPCs for RSAs than ETAs? Might be worth checking to see how much you pay using identical creative and keywords between the two. And then he went on to say, thought of this listening episode, the point where Tinmet Jibru firing comes up. I suspect that they did that because their paper revealed a massive antitrust liability, blah, blah, blah. But that was a great point from Nicholas. And I think we'll definitely talk about some automation, where it might be headed, and some of the big changes that happened in 2020. So thank you, Nicholas. We'll reach out, DM you for a shirt. And if you want to win a shirt this week, we have a few left. I think there are only razor budgets left, <laughs> but they're fantastic <laughs> shirts. I don't have mine on. It'll be up on the screen on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And next week, whoever calls, you can even just wish wish a happy new year, but we're going to give away a shirt to a caller next week. So it's call.marketingclock.com and you will be entered to win a shirt like Nicholas. All right, Mark, what is happening in the news this week? Well, there's no better way to start the news than with some salacious drama. (laughs) Reprising the role of the messy executive who loves to cause drama and keep secrets It's none other than Mark Zuckerberg, a.k.a. Zuck, and playing the role of reasonable person trying to improve their product. It's Tim Cook, CEO of Apple. You you mispronounced Tim Apple. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was Adam Apple. I hate myself. The show is going off the rails. I love We've it We've already so gone off the rails. <laughs> and Jess hasn't even said anything. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Well, as the kids say, here's the tea. Currently, as is, apps like Facebook gather data by default and track all of your online activities and physical movements, even if you're logged out of the app. If you don't want to be tracked right now, It's current, the US's typical term of service is like a background opt-out rule. So you have to affirmatively make a choice to decline tracking and find that in the app. And Facebook currently has this, but many people are extremely skeptical given their history with data privacy. So Apple, being the company that they are, and they always are touting the security of their devices, privacy is really important for them. So this like type of tracking that Facebook's using is not something that Tim Cook really jives with. It's not his vibe. So effectively, <laughs> Apple started beef with Facebook when they revealed that the new iOS 14 operating system will include a new app tracking transparency feature, 
which will opt users out of tracking by default and force them to opt in. It's gonna be like when you use an app and it's like this app wants to use your camera. Do you opt in or do you opt out? It'll be a very similar process for sharing your data with the app. And I think that makes a lot of sense. This is the general direction tracking has been making in general. Think like GDPR, you go into a website now and you either accept or decline cookies. That is how Apple devices are going to be now. And Zuck seems to be under this delusion that they can <laughs> stop this, despite this being the general trend everything is moving in. He thinks he can stop this by throwing a temper tantrum effectively and running a full page ad in the New York Times. Do you know why he did a full page ad in the Paper Times? Why, Greg? <laughs> so that Chrome wouldn't block it. I was going to make a joke about that. Oh, really? <laughs> no, and I didn't. I was like, that seems like a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for making that leap for me, Greg. <laughs> More to come on Chrome ad blocking mm -hmm. a little bit later in the show. So we have a picture of the ad from Dave Stangis on Twitter, at Dave Stangis. And I just kind of want to read through it. So we can dissect this together. We're standing up to Apple for small businesses everywhere. At Facebook, small business is at the core of our business. More than 10 million businesses use our advertising tools each month to find new customers, hire employees, and engage with their communities. Many in the small business community have shared concerns about Apple's forced software update. Has anyone heard a small business complain about that? Because I cannot say that I have. I feel like most small businesses don't even know this is happening. Which will limit businesses' ability to run personalized ads and reach their customers effectively. Now, let's think about small businesses. What targeting options are they using on Facebook that they'll no longer have? Not many. They're probably running geolocation ads to certain demographics in their area to reach their customers where they are. But Mark, what about all the little small mom and pops on the corner that are doing remarketing ads towards people that viewed their careers page? What about all those people that don't exist? <laughs> <laughs> it says 44% of small to medium businesses started or increased their usage of personalized ads on social media during the pandemic. Okay, that's a fact. According to a Deloitte study, without personalized ads, Facebook data shows that the average small business advertiser stands to see a cut of over 60% in their sales for every dollar they spend. That is a misconstrued number. The 60% is actually that someone who opts out of data is worth 60% less to advertisers. So that doesn't represent a loss on the business. That represents the 60% is the actual loss to Facebook of what that person is worth. So considering all of like the ad costs and the data providers, you consider all of those costs in, businesses aren't actually using 60%. Like that number is different and it's not in this ad. While limiting how personalized ads can be used does impact larger companies like us. No, you are the most major person affected by this. This is about <laughs> you. This is not about small businesses. These changes will be devastating to small businesses, adding to the many challenges they face right now. This is propaganda. <laughs> small businesses deserve to be heard. So let's hear them. 
not you, Facebook. Let's actually hear from small businesses and how they feel instead of pushing your beliefs on small businesses. We hear your concerns. Oh, because you're listening? <laughs> and we stand with you. Join not us anymore at- if you opted out. They're not <laughs> right? <laughs> Join us at fb.com slash speakupforsmall. I hope they heard this. And I just want to say, like, I had a lot of spice there, but I don't have much more spice to add because Robert Zaff from Forbes stole a lot of my spice today. And I would never think of Forbes as a publication that's stealing my spice. Like, this is surprising. (laughs) Yeah. Usually I think of um, a lot of spice spread out throughout a slideshow. (laughs) These ads involve a double irony. First, the world's leading online social media platform has placed ads in newspapers. (laughs) Second, Facebook claims to be standing up for the little guy. This is the same company that faces a Federal Trade Commission lawsuit, as well as lawsuits from 48, that's 48, we have 50 states, (laughs) state attorneys general (laughs) for unlawful, (laughs) anti-competitive conduct that includes crushing or forcing the buyout of any small businesses that threaten Facebook's hegemony. Like, just let that digest. So the people at Facebook think they're sticking their heads out for the little guy. That's what they're saying. If people actually think that who work there, and this isn't just PR, I'm concerned about them because it's more like they're an ostrich sticking their head in the ground. (laughs) Like they're such a technical laggard that they're refusing to change their business model, that they're making money off personalized ads as the times progress. Because this is reality. This is how privacy is changing Everything with data is going to be opt-in moving forward. That's just the way we're moving. And they're refusing to change their business model. And it's going to end up hurting them if they don't. Like, people might opt into sharing data with them. And that will make them worth more. People who opt out, they're 60% less. So they need to think about other ways they can monetize their platform for those users that choose to opt out of advertising or personalize ads. They're still eligible for advertising, but they're not, data can't be collected outside of the Facebook platform for these people. How I feel, Facebook isn't helping small businesses. It's just a distraction to get people away from their previous behavior in terms of data privacy and the actual reasons why they're afraid of Apple's update because some of the things they've been doing might be viewed as unethical given the way data privacy is moving and being established. And honestly, like I really do not think that small businesses benefit all that much from the targeting options they would lose with these opt-outs. And I want to read one more quote that I think is important. So this is from Andre Arrieta from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. The Association of National Advertisers estimates that when the ad tech tax is taken into account, publishers are only taking home between 30 and 40 cents of every dollar spent on ads. The rest goes to third-party data brokers who keep the lights on by exploiting your information and not to small businesses trying to work within a broken system to reach their customers. Small businesses don't have the most at stake Facebook does. Small businesses are at Facebook's mercy. They're in a bind. Um, So that is exactly how I feel about this. And the bottom line is that companies like Facebook are selling our data with only implied consent, not actual consent. And Apple wants to put an end to this and make the consent out 
right. And I totally agree with Apple on this. So that's enough of my Facebook rant. Just what's up with you? <laughs> I have a much smaller, lighter rant. Um, Instagram is trying to differentiate itself and Reels from TikTok. Just kidding. <laughs> Not a rant, actually. I'm just going to lay out the facts and, and y'all can have an opinion on this. But there have been some features that have been added to Reels that, especially if you use TikTok, are going to feel a little bit familiar. They have also this week had some Instagram stories updates as well. So real quick on the story side, just a couple small additions like color filters, a multi-capture or photo booth mode, which takes like several pictures in a row, like you're at a wedding having fun. So that's cool. Oh, I miss those. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> now you can do it in Instagram stories. And that's all cool, but it's not really groundbreaking. On the Reels side... Also not groundbreaking because it is an exact copy of what TikTok is doing. I know this and I don't even use TikTok. So they have added or have been spotted in the wild options to add audio tracks to a clip such as music or a voiceover. And then they have level controls for beautiful sound editing, which is not a bad feature. I'm not knocking the thing. I think it's a great idea. But as Andrew Hutchinson from Social Media Today pointed out, quote, TikTok has the same functionality, so it's not surprising to see it appear on Reels, which is, of course, a copy of TikTok, end quote. So they've also added new editing capacity um, and a Reels watermark in the top left of Reels video, I've which... i waiting for that. Right? Now I'm going to start using Reels. <laughs> like, no way. I just want everyone to know that it's a Reel. Yeah. That's the thing, is if you reshare it, now people aren't going to assume it's a TikTok. I, know, I was doing it's it manually before. I can't tell you the amount of effort that it took. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can give up that Photoshop license. You were doing what manually? Adding Putting a watermark? Reels in my reels, yeah. Watermarking oh it manually. No, you were not. I know. You've never even made a reel. I know. Uh, I know, Jess. We leave it for the experts. <laughs> you. Hair flip. <laughs> so this newness on Instagram was spotted by Matt Navarra. If you don't have the features yet, you can check out the show notes or the YouTube uh, stream we will have. Not YouTube stream. Anyway, this newness was spotted by Matt Navarra. So if you don't have the new features yet, you can check out the show notes or our YouTube video. We'll have screenshots of exactly what he saw and what these new features look like. But again, if you use TikTok, then it's going to be nothing new for you. And this is about Reels, this new story, but we've already gone after Facebook enough here. So I'm going to go on a tangent and talk about TikTok. Do you guys use TikTok? No. Okay. No. I, I only like view like sometimes people send me them. Like Katie on our team sends me a lot of TikToks. She curates mostly for you. about American Girl dolls, which is like really. That's oh, weird. we have some jokes. Huh. That's weird. I guess that's wholesome enough. I hope. I don't know. I oh, it, it's it's satire. It's uh, like <laughs> I I'll have to show you guys one. I'll I'll watch one if you send it. But I'm never going to TikTok again because I went yesterday Retweet. and the things that I saw. Like, it's just unnecessary, the things that people are posting. None of it's funny. I've never seen a single TikTok that I've understood or enjoyed. But my favorite thing that happened all week, and it's a holiday week, it's a fun week. My favorite thing is TikTok on my computer, because I don't have the app, just like stopped working and it said something went wrong, which I thought was a really nice, like self-aware moment for TikTok. Like something has gone wrong. People are going nuts. People are spreading Nutella on beef and Gordon Ramsay's <gasps> getting upset about it. People I'm are upset about it. Yeah, people are mixing Gatorade <laughs> And Kinda like candy, good, to be honest. I don't know. I, it, hazelnut, a little beef hazelnut and chocolate. 
<laughs> I don't think, I don't know. No. I don't know. I'm not a foodie, but that doesn't entice me one bit. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Something has gone wrong for sure. And I don't think it was the online TikTok on desktop. I don't think they intended that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to download an app just to look at the stupid content. You can content. it on your phone browser. I, f- I forgot. I do like one TikTok. There's a guy that has a pet deer on TikTok. Oh, that's And cool. I've watched that. Oh, that's nice. I feel like you can get that on Reddit, though. Doesn't Reddit have a lot of like yeah, nice Reddit. animal stuff? Yeah. Stick to that. All right. And next up, last week, Twitter announced that it is reopening public applications for account verifications next month. An option that has been on hiatus since 2017. Mm. A long time. Just should we apply? We we need to apply. We got to be like Greg. We're well, from a major publication. To report on this, <laughs> we are, need to hire a verification expert. Check, and I will report <laughs> on how the feedback has shaped the policy. Uh, so they looked at a few different areas with the new verification policy. Initially, they need, you would have to have a complete profile, and they retracted that. So. They, you do not need a profile bio, which I think you should have if you're trying to be verified, but they say you no longer need it. Who doesn't have a bio? Some verified people. <laughs> and that you don't have to have a header image, which I feel like you should have as well. So they removed that from the initial verification criteria. Mm. And they've clarified the titles of news category to include news and journalists like ourselves. And the sports category to include sports and esports to be more inclusive. So I think this is a step in the right direction. Obviously, when you can't verify somebody, your entire system is broken. You should just get rid of it. So now they're opening it back up. One of the additional items they're having is not specific follower count numbers to be included for some, which I also agree. Like Just because you don't have followers doesn't mean you're actually who you are. It should be verified. If you're a journalist or an actor, actress, whatever, you should still be able to be verified. So if you're a company, brand, organization, which is what you might be most concerned about, there are a few different things to note. That if you have a presence in public indices, including but not limited to Google Trends, public stock exchanges, stable Wikipedia articles that meet the notability standards or a database like Global Giving, you can be verified. So you can get your brand verified. Also, if your brand three or more featured references within six months prior to applying in news outlets that meet the news criteria that they have, or that your follower count is in the top 0.1% of active accounts located in the same geographic region. So for a lot of brands, especially anybody public or that is talked about quite a bit, you're going to be able to be verified, which is awesome. And if you're a news organization or journalist like myself, (laughs) you can qualify um, within the society, there, there's a few different links that they've given that count. So if you're recognized by the Society of Professional Journalists, Independent Press Standards Organization, International Federation of Journalists, a whole bunch more, and you have at least three bylines of credit qualifying publications listed within six months prior to applying. So if you've got that, you can be verified. And speaking as a blue check mark myself, I don't think we need more verification. I think we're good. No, it's joking. I mean, we definitely uh, do. You just want to be cool and <laughs> yeah, let the rest joking. of us be in your dust. I've, I've <laughs> r- ranted against this. There should be no verification or verification. Having something void for three years and still having people be verified is criminal. With you. Ooh, and they're not Google. This no. is wow. wow. This is amazing. We I print just, the I, shirts. <laughs> <laughs>
Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. Mm-hmm. And this week's Take of the Week is from a verified Twitter user, <laughs> Greg Finn, at Greg Finn on Twitter. When do we riot? This is truly too much. And that is accompanied by a screenshot out of Google Ads online editor in the recommendations for your optimization score. And the campaign in question has a 26% optimization score, which is down 19% over the prior period. Now, there are only two recommendations. First up, worth a whopping 74% of your optimization score. Switch to smart shopping campaigns. Get more conversion value at a similar cost with smart shopping campaigns. Next up, worth 37% of your optimization score. I don't know how those things add up to 100, (laughs) but... Google's the math magician in automation machine learning, not us. Bid more efficiently with target ROAS. Get more conversion value at a similar ROAS with a fully automated bid strategy. If I, if I hit accept on that plus 74%, we'd be fired from this account. Oh, 100%. Instantly. instantly. 101%. <laughs> We'd be instantly fine. But then you include the 26% you already have. Yeah, we're, I mean. Excuse me. I'm not doing math but over here. It's so Christmas. interesting how those optimization scores work. Because like you wouldn't like switch that campaign to smart shopping. You would start a shop a smart shopping campaign. There are different campaign types. Can I, can I say that we are, we put budgets together and regrettably, I've almost estimated 1.5x, adding millions of dollars more spend in 2021 for Google Ads because we've been doing so well. If I did, if I accepted this, we'd spend nothing. What are we, what are we doing with this? Why would, and we've done smart shopping campaigns for this client and they pulled them. And I was me that actually was like experimenting. Like, let's try it for these certain things that we can't really move fast enough and, the, and everybody was like calling me a baby when I was whining about Google Partner changes. And I see the Google Partner change where you have to hit a certain percentage number being mm-hmm. a big problem because it's forcing agencies to do their bidding. And I said, well, what, 70% today, You're might bidding. be 80% <laughs> tomorrow, might be 90% the next. And you see something where it's plus 74%. I, I That's where it really gets me because most of the recommendations I see are either like 1%, 5%, or 10%. Having an optimization score requirement that you literally are forced to do because they're like, you'll never be forced. You just have to accept like 30%. You have to meet 70. And how can you meet 70 if you have one thing that is worth 74%? They're basically forcing you to do smart shopping campaigns if you want to be a Google partner. Like, that is, like, this is not light. That is criminal. Yes. (laughs) And we're going to save some of it because we've got a great marketing talk coming out in January that's going to address some of this. But the fact that they're going to force you into, and... There are many agencies 
that will not give up the partner status. And there are people, highly respected people that I've talked to that say, we are going to be a partner. We have to be a partner. We have to work around this. And then at some point, they're going to have to hit yes on the plus 74 and everything's going to be shop, smart shopping. And then they're going to lose all the clients and then people aren't going to spend money in Google ads. I'm not going to do a rant here because we already recorded the clock screen. <laughs> <laughs> and you all know how Greg feels. Like this isn't a surprise. I hope this isn't a surprise for our listeners. If you are surprised right now, you should probably listen a little bit closer. It, it's just so disappointing. It's just so disappointing. So, yes. And I instantly dismissed that, but I feel so sad for those folks that are going to have to accept those those recommendations to keep their partner status or because they don't know that Google is actually, instead of going out and getting new people, prospecting people to your site from these shopping ads, you're then going to use smart shopping and it's going to be a retargeting mix and you're not going to be getting the same people and the numbers are going to be different. And even though it looks better, it's actually worse. Well said. Mm-hmm. No opinions on that though. Yeah, we, we did not influence. You can still make the call. <laughs> Just don't make the wrong one. Right? And now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked. But you shouldn't have. I See Why Am I, people. This week's I See Why Am I comes from Maurice Rahamni at MR. Hamni <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> he actually had that great thread last week about Facebook and Apple that came out just when we had started to record. But this thread was extremely eye-opening, I think, for a lot of different folks out there. And he actually, it's a quote tweet of something that he put out back earlier in December. And he said, if all of your ads feature a white female millennial, your customers are more likely to be white female millennials. Who shoots your content for your brand is just as important as what they shoot for your brand. Here's an example of how different actors bring in different customers. And the tweet reference talks about highlighting different demographics in your ads drives new customers. Beauty example, legacy white creators drove 90% lighter tones and black creators drove 50% plus darker tones. And there's a whole bunch of information where he said the product was the same, the targeting was the same, the landing page was the same, the ad copy was the same, the structure of the video was the same. The only difference was a creator highlighted. So just another tip out there, if you are trying to attract a specific customer or diversify who you are currently selling to, you need to include them. I thought this was great data from Maurice, and you can check it out in our show notes over at marketingoclock.com. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic. First up in the paid news this week, we have a tweet from Rachel at PPC Rachel. Power listener of the show. Hey. Ooh, this is dangerous. Taking out another step if you're not careful and flippantly applying 116, that's right, 116 recommendations. Most of these are keywords which are not relevant. Hashtag PPC chat, hashtag PPC, hashtag optimization score. (laughs) Top recommendation for you. Show your ads more often to people searching for what your business offers, a.k.a. Spend more money. 
really all I have to say here is hashtag criminal. And if you look at this screenshot, you hit apply all and you are applying just the top recommendation. You're applying every recommendation underneath it. And there's no way to just apply the recommendation they're showing. You have one option, view all 116 recommendations or apply all. And some poor soul out there is going to hit the apply all, Mm -hmm. put all these recommendations in, and their optimization score is going to go through the roof and the profits are going to go through the floor, into the basement and into the core of the earth. Mm -hmm. That should not be a button. You should have to view them and then apply all. Well, it's literally like, think about like, if you're someone who doesn't use Google ads a lot and all the time, like when you're using a computer, something pops up, you're just like, get rid of it. You just hit the button mm-hmm. and like the apply all is this huge button. So you, you probably, if you're not paying attention, you don't know about the criminal activity that's going on <laughs> in optimization <laughs> score. You're just going to be like, I want this pop-up gone. You're hitting apply all with those poor, poor people that do that. Like I, it's clearly a money grab. Like, I they keep adding barriers to do things that we want to do and Julie Bacini getting four different things blocking her from changing her campaigns to enhance CPC and meanwhile they're making it easier and easier for you to accidentally accept their optimization score requirements. And pe- people out there listening are going to be like, "Will you guys shut up already?" And no we no, will not. No. Because no. this this specifically is made to deceive people. Mm -hmm. They will Mm -hmm. show a top recommendation and it might be something and you're out there and it's like, turn off, let's pretend, let's say it's turn on search partners. And it's like the top recommendation for you is to attract more people for search partner via search partners. And it's a, let's say it's a brand campaign. You might be like, this makes total sense to me for search partners. If they're searching for my brand, I'd like to expand. Maybe if you hit this apply all button, it doesn't say apply all 116 changes. It says apply all. And it only shows that top recommendation. Mm-hmm. You're going to hit that button and all of a sudden you're going to be in smart shopping and you're going to be out of a job. You're going to get fired. Yeah. And I know I talk about HubSpot a little bit too much sometimes, but whenever you make a bulk change in HubSpot, you have to type in the number of changes that you make. So it's like, you're about to make 116 changes. Do you confirm? And you have to type 116 into a box and hit confirm to confirm you're making that many changes. That's and nice. And they make it so it helps the user. This is so it helps them. Like they could have a very easily have the same interface, but they don't care. They're like, oh, these broad match keywords that you're adding are going to give us more money. And nobody in software would say blindly making 116 changes to something is a good idea. This should not be allowed. There should be, you should force people to manually accept a single change, Mm -hmm. not let literally hundreds of changes go through on a click of a button without seeing them. They don't even give you an example. They don't even give you one keyword here. They just say add new keywords. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever look at these recommendations? I know you guys do. They're terrible. They're irrelevant well, to, keywords. To that it's point useless. though, that's one bad recommendation and there's 115 worse recommendations. True. It. That's the top True. recommendation, Jess, that yeah. you still can't see. True. It's bad. 
And I would just like to tie this all together and end it with a <laughs> weekly reminder to make sure that you have auto-applied recommendations <gasps> off in your account settings. Thank you. <laughs> Next up in the news, we'll take a little bit of a break from Google to talk about Walmart. From the other small guy. <laughs> small business. From Robert Williams of a Marketing Dive, Walmart Media Group increased its number of net new advertisers by 40% this year. And obviously the pandemic played a huge role in this, but Walmart was already actively doing some of this work and really investing in what they're calling an omni-channel shopping and advertising business. And they had two key drivers here. First, us as customers, we want a seamless, not, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I don't shop at Walmart. Some people listen might. I didn't I'm until very... I caught that TikTok live stream last week and I bought some awesome <laughs> flannel shirt. The little the little string was a little wet though. Must have been the guy's mouth. Tell me you didn't actually watch it. Mm, no. Okay, good. That's yeah, you keep your strings out of your mouth. <laughs> Germs. Um, customers expect a seamless shopping experience across all Walmart venues. So whether it's the website, the app, they want it to be one cohesive experience. Secondly, relying on Facebook and Google, as we talked about a little bit earlier, for advertising is not sustainable for Walmart or for any of their partners who sell their products at Walmart. And they're losing targeting options due to privacy concerns. Walmart needs to rely on data it collects from their customers rather than the data that Google and Facebook is collecting. So they've invested a ton in their ad platform this year and their advertising partners program. Something Google should maybe consider. <laughs> They created a self-serve platform and a digital inventory API for all their Walmart advertising partners back in January. And then over the summer in July, they added performance dashboards for product performance, both online and in store. So you can see how your ads on walmart.com are affecting in-store purchases. And this, like Walmart's making this into a trend Best Buy, CVS, Kroger, Target, and Walgreens all appear to be following Walmart's lead and taking a similar strategy. And this is really giving consumer products companies some more options. They don't just have to go to Amazon and Google and Facebook. They can start working with some of their vendors for better targeted, um, better experiential advertising there. Um, with Walmart and those other companies that I listed. In rounding out the paid news, it's Nava Hopkins at Nava F on Twitter. She's been on fire. Give her a follow. Maybe that's what the F stands for. Three weeks ago, <laughs> she's breaking news. I hope it stands for fire. I know. She has been tweeting up a storm out there. I think we just lost ad preview and diagnosis as a SERP analysis tool. Frowny face, <laughs> typed out, not using an emoji. Important. Like mm -hmm. Classic. TBT. Apparently, we only get to see the SERP if our ad is showing. This means, one, no more safe space for clients and bosses to investigate queries. Two, sales requires, in the wild, SERP lock. 
And then it continues. Um, she followed up with contacts and a screenshot of what it used to look like for her. Um, for contacts, this is what we get if the ad is showing, and it's the full search. So you used to be able to see in context what your ad looked like and what other ads were appearing next to your ads. And you can see the full SERP experience to get a better idea of what you were actually bidding on, who your competitors were, um, what that overall user experience looked like. It was super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'd use it all the time with specific clients. Like, I'm seeing this. Are you seeing this? You'd hop in. You'd see what other ads were showing in a certain zip code or a certain mm-hmm. town. But yeah, I guess we really shouldn't be surprised, though, that Google is just removing more and more transparency. It's the way things are going. So soon, like instead of SERP previews, we're just going to have smart SERPs. (laughs) Don't worry, your ad's there. We're not going to be advertisers. We're not going to be an agency. We're going to be Google smart humans. Oh, no. And we're going to have our own optimization scores and just do their bidding. Oh, no. What if they recommend I wear something other than black to improve my optimization score? Then you'll... You probably won't listen and you'll no longer be a Google smart human. I'll just fade out. You'll lose your certification. (laughs) You won't be able to access the internet. Shaking every last dime out of their pocket. (laughs) This is awful. Awful, awful future we have ahead of us. Wow. So that's what the apocalypse is going to look like. And now our segment, Beyond Google Ads. Google doesn't care about you. But we do. And this week... From the Facebook news with Apple that Mark reported on earlier, one note that came from that is that there will be delayed Facebook reporting. And they said real-time reporting will not be supported and data may be delayed up to three days. So I just wanted to repeat this and say, don't abandon your plans. If something has been working and you haven't made major changes, don't just ax it. At least consider the fact that there may be a three-day delay and that things aren't going to be real-time anymore. So before you freak out about your (laughs) Facebook ads, remember that and stay calm and then panic after three days. (laughs) No, and I, I, that is great advice. And I think it's really important not to panic about changes and think about what you can do. So I think back to September when the search terms change happened, like we knew Google wasn't going to reverse it despite our wonderful petition. Which had but, like 4,000 signatures. Google doesn't care about you. Yeah, so instead I was like, what can we do? And I worked with my clients to build out really robust close variant matching lists and use Andrea Cruz's keyword planner technique. And I actually had an account that came out stronger after the search terms change because of all of those things we did to combat this change with Google. So I would say great advice. Don't panic. Just think about what you need to do moving forward and how you can do what you're doing now maybe even something better that accommodates that change. Great advice. And that's it in the paid universe. What's going on with organic this week, Greg? Well, it's not only marketing clock that has a little present for you here on the 25th. Google search central has put a little something under your tree (laughs) for us webmasters this year. And they are bringing back the request indexing in the Google search console URL inspection just in time for the new year they said but they put it out in time for the holiday season so I'll give it the just in time for the holiday season treatment <laughs> and this is a nice feature when it's uh, it, 
if you're using this like as needed basis, this is not something. This is like eggnog. This is something you can have once a year when you need it. You don't drink eggnog on a hot summer July day. But if you're experimenting or you've got some technical problems and you're trying to get something indexed, that's the case. Just because you wrote a blog post doesn't mean you need to use this tool. You can have eggnog, though, if you wrote a blog post. It's worth celebrating. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we're a little bit long, but let's just let this episode go long today. Who cares? It's There's- a Christmas treat. <laughs> or holiday treat. I'm sorry. There's a new series called Sustainable Monetized Websites from Google featuring Aurora Morales. And I didn't really get this at first. It seems like it's along the lines of the SEO myths, myth busting with... Martin from Google, but it sounded like there were three people on this episode. And I realized that's not really the case because the tweet said, join Aurora Morales and her two co-hosts, Organica and Monetize. And there's three different people, one with a green headband, one with black glasses, and one with, with no attire as well. Turns out she has, she has some attire. <laughs> well, no ancillary accessories. I'm sorry. Um, but apparently, they're all Aurora. So she is acting as if she is a webmaster trying to monetize her content. And if she is a Organica, which is trying to monetize i don't even i don't even get it to I, be honest i guess so it's like if you're going to go like the campy route and do something fun you need to go a lot further it <laughs> comes across like very like half baked and i'm not really sure what's going on like there were some campy ideas but they did not commit to the camp it was just kind of thrown in there and i think the glaring thing for me is that the organic person is Organica, which like kind of sounds like a spacey type name. Totally. But then the other person's just monetized. <laughs> now you couldn't come up with like a name or something. Like you can't. It's either one or the other. You can't do both. It's either organic and monetized, or you have two names. Like I that really bothered me. I was if you watch it, I was really confused by the like. Oh, does your content creation look like this? And it's like her playing a ukulele while boiling a pot of water. But the water's boiling already. And I'm just like, oh. what is going Put your noodles on in. there? I thought like I thought the analogy was it takes a long time for water to boil. But it was already boiling. boiling. And she's just playing the ukulele and I'm just A lot there's a lot of misses on that. I was Was her paint already dry too? Or was she watching that? <laughs> she had a little halo and I'm just like I do not it was a fever dream like I don't know what was, I I really do not know what was going on there it just seems like someone was having like a fun little afternoon project and they're like oh let's make this a web series and I'm just like oh but my guess is that the organica person is gonna help make sure you don't get banned from AdSense mm-hmm. is that right and monetize is like here's how you can put more Google ads on your page and I, then so it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and then Aurora is in the middle talking with herself. So it's like Dr. Jack and Mr. Hyde and Aurora. That's what it should be called. Yes. Yeah. Stick with that. Great I can't, name. And I just can't wait for the part where Aurora just goes full fight club 
and Monetize <laughs> is out there ambushing Organica, and they're getting in a fist fight, shaking every nickel out of her pocket because it's Monetize. Like that may happen sometime if she goes full Daniel Day Lewis on it. <laughs> right. and it's only the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and from Google here, there is a discount on the Google Guaranteed Program. And Justin Sanger found it on Twitter. It does appear that it's only in the home services category. But if you sign up for Google Guaranteed, you save $101 if you buy on a yearly basis. So it's usually 50 bucks a month. You can get it for $499 a year if you want that Google Guaranteed Program listings right and next up we'll keep it here with barry google search stream 3d content including cars we talked about this maybe two weeks ago where google had a bunch of farm animals and giraffes and pandas and things show up in search you can now do 3d cars and a good example that i saw out there was for an was for an audi and you can take the car spin it around and then you can put it in your space and i thought that'd be funny I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this for the show notes. And we're going to have the car in my office, and I'm going to have this Acura Audi here. And I tried to do it. I gave Google permission to my life. They're like, again, we use the camera at all times. I'm like, yes, just for the show. I'm going to turn it off in a minute. And I start doing it, and it's like, find the ground. I'm pointing at the ground, and we've got a weird pattern in our carpet here in the office. Oh. And I'm just – it can't find the ground. And I'm just holding my phone like I'm – you know, out there with a metal detector and I'm just doing it. And then Jill comes off and is like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to find the floor. She's like, it's right there. (laughs) So I couldn't get it to work, but it looks cool. You can see what a car looks like in your driveway, I guess. That's cool. Is it? If you're into vanity. For Wayfair, I think it's really fun. That's great. I don't do it. That makes sense. I don't actually use it. I use it funny because it still doesn't look quite right. Um, the proportions are never quite correct, <laughs> yes. but it's like funny to like, yeah. oh, this piece of furniture is on top of my friend's body now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then Amazon does a good job of that as well, right from the app. But I mean, what kind of narcissist is like, is this the perfect car for my driveway? <laughs> Look, it really accentuates my yeah. shutters. Yeah, bro. <laughs> oh, dude. It's in front of my McMansion. I don't even drive it. I just leave it out there. Gonna, I, got, I love the feel and everything, but it just didn't pop with my bushes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Get lost. I'm just <laughs> still having trouble like settling with the fact that Google wants to fully automate all of my campaigns, but they can't find the floor. Just saying, people. I'm with you. And I'm also with Rob Lethern this week as he retweeted something he hasn't removed yet. And <laughs> it is from Ari Papero. And Ari says, the first time I've seen this message in the wild, hero ad unit on NY Post blocked by Chrome. And the example shows what we saw in the New York Times last week where Chrome is blocking the entirety of the ad in the New York Post. And I saw some things blocked and it wasn't even an ad. I think it was Chrome misfiring on my phone. And I double checked. I triple checked. It was an embedded tweet that may have had an ad in the tweet, which is why it was blocked. But I loaded something and it wouldn't show. I was. I got a Discover article about a tweet specifically. I went to the post. The tweet would not load. And I had to refresh. And then the tweet loaded. The first time it was blocked. So I wonder if there was an ad in the tweet that caused Chrome to block. Either way... Don't block the ads. What are we doing? Get monetized over here. <laughs> right? Don't beat yourself up over it. 
All right. And from Matt Southern over at Search Engine Journal, I think we could just read the title on this one. <laughs> Google, sites with any adult content won't show rich results. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> These poor mm, sites. <laughs> <laughs> no rich results out there. I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> I was just going to say who's rich results, but right. yours was better. <laughs> from Barry Schwartz, the only reporter still working this week, he says that he recovered with the Google December 2020 core update. I love the fact that Barry on a search engine roundtable site does whatever the heck he wants to. Back when they said you couldn't sell links, he kept selling advertising links because it made sense to him. Obviously, at one point, he turned that <laughs> off. But I just want to read a quote from the article. And this I, I actually think this is like a funny little throwaway thing, but it's really not because he says... Yes, the site was hit hard by the May 2020 core update. I honestly was curious and decided to do nothing. Just keep the same day-to-day going. Make zero technical or site changes. Just keep writing like I do. And the site recovered. <laughs> I think a lot of times people over at, overanalyze things, and it's really like stay the course. If there was a minor setback and you lost a little bit of traffic, if you are proud of your content, if you're proud of what you're doing, if you're doing the right thing, if you're if it's quality, just keep going. Like that's that's the case. And and obviously Barry is nothing but quality and got that back. So great to hear. And we're going to go long today, but it's fine. I thought we were going to be short because there wasn't that much news, but there's just great times. <laughs> <It's on>. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not much news, but we'd have no problem talking. So this isn't necessarily news, but I thought it was newsworthy. And it's from Nathan Bachances, and it's Why Content is King, How Media Creates Power. And I thought this was a great thought experiment. And, and quite honestly, I think something that I, I'd, I'd like to aspire to here with Mark and Clack, I think we got a lot of the different variables here, but he pulls out a quote. And the quote that he starts with is, content is where I expect much of the real money will be made on the internet just as it was in broadcasting. And he says, wouldn't guess who that quote was from. If you guessed it was a media tycoon like Ted Turner or Rupert Murdoch, you'd be wrong. It was actually Bill Gates. And so then... I thought it was going to be monetization. No. I thought she said it. No, it was not monetization. (laughs) But he goes through and has... It's like seven different ways that content can be super powerful and very effective. And it was just a different look. And I think it is worth reporting on. First off, that you can scale economies. There's a whole bunch of examples on that where it can exist for a long time and all the benefits of it. Then it talks about networking, network economies. Um, then it goes into counter positioning. And I just just a quick sentence on this here, because again, I think this kind of relates to marketing and clock here. Content can counter position other content too. For example, think of Barstool Sports versus ESPN or TMZ versus People. We often see turnover in content brands that's caused when new brands discover something important that younger audiences want, but is incompatible with the values of the incumbent brand. And I think, you know, our show is fun, right? Like we we do the news. Obviously, we know what we're talking about and that's sort of table stakes. But yeah, I mean, we got passed over by other networks and we're here on Search Engine Journal and having having a good time. And, you know, we've got hundreds of thousands of listens this year, and it's 
I think there's, there's a lot of value to that. Yes, thank you. Um, also, the switching costs, once people find something they like, why that is sort of a, a moat around good content. And then branding, another quote from the branding. And this is a sort of about the uncertainty. And he says, this is especially important in media because content is, for the most part, consumable. This creates a problem that we all must solve for ourselves each day, finding new good things. This is why branding is so important in content. Most content out there is junk and not right for us. And then he talks about a cornered resource and then process power. And I'll just finish with process power here. And says the key here is that the process the key here is that the process be extremely difficult to copy and yet be critical to creating the benefits most customers value. The poster child for process power is Toyota. They successfully competed with U.S. automakers by making a thousand tiny improvements to the process of car creation. When layered together, it made a huge difference, but it was so complex it took a long time for competitors to, to copy it. Again, I just love this article, and maybe it should be a must-read marketing article of the week, but forget it. It's organic. Make really good stuff. Try really hard, and it pays off. All right, and that's it for Organic Jess. What's happening in social? All right, first up in social this week from social media today, TikTok launches new small business resource center for marketers. This includes a range of case studies, creative tools, and explainers to help small to medium businesses tap into the fast-growing app. And that was an exact quote from the article with a low-key pun. I don't know if you guys caught it. Tapping. <laughs> anyway, it is not just... I'm the only one laughing. You guys don't like puns. I, the tap? Like tap. You tap in apps. Tap on things. Maybe it wasn't meant to be a pun, and I just yeah. read it that way. <laughs> yeah. That pun ticked me off. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, TikTok. Yeah, I think Greg's yeah. got you beat today. Not, we're not done. All right. <laughs> anyway, it is not just fluffy, aspirational content. Like, please use TikTok. These other brands did. There's actually real stuff in here for people that want to use it. They've got ad templates if you need help getting started and even instructions on how to create and install your pixels. These are actual resources for folks that want to advertise on the platform. And we joke all the time today included about how stupid TikTok is and why would anyone want to be there. But the reality is a lot of people want to be there. And if those are your customers or potential customers, then you should be there too. So this resource center is a really nice way for folks to explore a little bit and see how their business might fit in and get some good ideas. So if you're part of the cool kids generation like us and you want to understand better how to reach Gen Z, I suggest you check it out. And next up, Michael Stelzner wrote a piece for Social Media Examiner titled Why Clubhouse App Might Be the Next Major Social Media Platform. And if you don't know, because I didn't, Clubhouse is a live audio app that allows people to listen to or actively participate in live discussions. There are no recordings, no cameras, no text. It's just talking out loud. And once like the room is closed that you're in, the conversation's gone forever. So it's kind of a cool thing. But Michael is really, really passionate about Clubhouse. You should read the article because it's just a fun read. He sells it I'm really worried. well. <laughs> Are you? Did you read it? This yes. article? Yes. Yeah. Uh, how much screen time he has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just, I mean, he, he talks about the benefits like personal connection and real human voices, which mm -hmm. we don't get a lot of right now. But then he also like talked about the ability to just at 2.30 in the morning when you can't sleep, you can hop in a room and then talk for hours with people who are also exhausted but just don't want to leave. Oh, That's how he framed that was it. His yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I prefer my social media silent and scrollable, but I think this could be really cool for outgoing people that want to engage and learn from each other. But you can't even get in there. It's like it's an invite only thing. Doing? Yeah. I don't know. 
it's, I mean, it's a clubhouse, right? You got to be in the club, but he thinks it's going to take off. So check it out if you think audio is the future. And no, I'll wait for some bigger social <laughs> network to come out with a competitor that people can actually use. Well, Greg, I have some news you for do? you. I do. Really? Yes. Oh. I feel like you didn't read ahead and you're just predicting things. We should get you a mm, crystal ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had nothing to do with these show notes. <laughs> So interestingly, to your point, Greg, Twitter announced this week that they have launched an early beta version of what they're calling Spaces, which is an audio-only virtual room experience, much like Clubhouse. And much like Michael Stelzner, they talk about it with a lot of whimsy, too. Their announcement was, I... A-Y-E. We're live. What up, y'all? We're the team behind Spaces, a small experiment focused on the intimacy of the human voice. And then they use the emoji that's like the thread thing. What do you call that? Like a spool? It's a spool. A spool. So it's just like this beautiful, you're like, what's that? I want in. So we'll see. It's an early beta. So again, it's not invite only like Clubhouse, but you're probably not in it either. So if this takes off, if the bird is quick enough to go wide, they could, I mean, it could be curtains for Clubhouse and poor Michael will have to switch platforms, but we'll see. Sticking. Let me guess what's going to happen next. Facebook's going to come out with Speakeasy and it's going to be an audio only space. And then, and then TikTok's going to do it. Right, Craig, that's a be, really good but name. The only, though. the only question is, like, is this going to be Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp? Or how are they doing it? All right, sticking with Twitter here. Twitter will now show you personalized funny tweets. This is according to Engadget, and it's a new personalization feature aimed at surfacing tweets that fit your sense of humor when you search for funny tweets. And I don't think Twitter gets me, but I don't get Twitter either. I had to scroll for a while, and the only recommendation they gave that I actually laughed at was this one tweet that just says telling somebody how you feel is pointless AF. <laughs> like, I don't know if that was meant to be funny, but I laughed. Twitter thinks I would think that's funny. <laughs> I don't know how well this feature it's like, works. I don't, my humor is just way too complex for AF. <laughs> <laughs> See, somebody should start a meme of like, tell me you're in marketing without tell me you're in marketing. Anybody ever think of that? Do you want me to jump I don't think it's been done. plexiglass <laughs> <laughs> those <clears throat> those responses all very clearly said that they were in marketing so they didn't even do a good job sorry not, not sorry <laughs> next next a tweet from Callie Goodwin that's at Callie Goodwin on Twitter Callie says new feature if you manage multiple Instagram accounts you can double tap the logo in the bottom account to quickly switch between the last two visited accounts Helpful for switching between work and personal accounts quickly. Let me know if it works for you. That's very useful for sure, but I love the real spit that came in the replies to this. We've got a, yes, and it's too sensitive. And then we also have, it did work, and it's terrifying. So you're like trained <laughs> not to double tap, you know? It just, like double tap is in, like an action. It's not just a switch. Yeah, but also like as someone who has accidentally posted, you know, pictures of dead chickens from a company account thinking it was my own, like I don't want it to be that easy no. to switch between things. It's nice. It's a nice thought, but in reality... Like, let's stay away from that. What a fun story. <laughs> Did you not know about that? <laughs> At one point, Jess posted like a chicken massacre on our company account. Oh, it was just ours. It was like yeah, calling yeah. out. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, no, not I a client. It was on a client. Not a client. No, no. no. Oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, it was just like Cypress North was fighting with KFC that week or something like that. <laughs> not intended. Speaking of which, have you watched A Recipe for Love starring Mario Lopez? Oh my on gosh, Lifetime? it's on my list. 
I watched first episode. It's a show. There's it's a miniseries. Oh, how dare how dare you? Excuse me. Highly recommended. There's one line. Literally laughing out loud. Literally, I guarantee if you can make it six minutes into it, you'll laugh. Really? Oh, no, Greg, I'm going to watch this. Like my Tell- my friends and I, like we like used to pay for the three dollar a month lifetime movie subscription, so we could like hate watch them. They know what they are. This movie, this knows what it is, though. Oh, just so you know. okay. And I liked it. I only watched one. I'm gonna save the rest for, you know. The, the long weekend here. Are you going to watch them though? Like I am. You're not giving I, up on this mini series. Watch the one, Jess. Okay. It's on Lifetime, or so you How have to I figure out how to do it. Okay. It's like Sling or something. What do we oh, I have you, Sling. You co-sign it. Do I co- you co-sign it? it? Yeah, because then I have to. It's not good. It's good for what it is. Do you know what I mean? You That's wouldn't be like, oh my I gosh, like. this gets an Oscar. This should beat out, you know. I think it should. The Green Mile this year or something. <laughs> <laughs> what a timely, timely it's reference. <laughs> it's fun. It's it's funny. Okay. It's fun. All right. If if six minutes in, I'm LOLing. I'll I'll text There's you. There's one line you're gonna laugh and you're gonna you're gonna slack me and be like, and you're gonna say it right back to me, and I'm gonna say something right back to you, and we're gonna laugh, and it's gonna be fun. Okay, I can't believe oh we're gonna gosh. watch Lifetime. I love the together. way you are predicting the future today. You're gonna do it, and you're gonna hear this. You're gonna slap your knee. You're gonna laugh. You're like, Chris, did you hear this? And then you're gonna slack me, and I'm gonna hit you right back with this one specific thing, and then you're gonna laugh and be like, you already predicted this exact thing. Wow. Okay. Well, challenge accepted. I will watch it. We'll report back next week. Can't wait. And tweet at us. If you watch it, just tweet at us with this specific line in the first episode of A Recipe for Love, <laughs> starring Mario Lopez on the Lifetime Channel, a KFC-sponsored event. <laughs> so, <laughs> so ridiculous. <clears throat> All right. Well, I won't be chicken. I'll take you up. All right. Lastly, here in social, and this is from Axios, Vice has become the first verified media publisher to launch on OnlyFans a subscription site which fans can pay creators directly for exclusive content. And that content, from what I understand, is typically not wholesome. I don't think they're getting rich results soon. (laughs) (laughs) It's too bad. I love him. So future plans include chef videos and behind-the-scenes footage. But for now, and this is a quote, Vice will be charging fans $4.99 monthly, it's $4.99 monthly, to access exclusive weekly videos that will mostly feature up-close shots of food being made, giving viewers a very intimate look at the sounds and transformations of different foods as they're being mixed, cooked, and prepared. Ugh. Yeah. Like, we what could all it? go shower now. The, the words That's horrid. Chose. You know how there's that meme where it's like, sir, this is a Wendy's? They should be like, sir, this is an OnlyFans. Like, <laughs> I think they know mis- exactly what they're doing. <laughs> you misspelled Patreon. Oh, wait, I was going to say, I'm like, why aren't they just using Patreon? And like, I just, they aren't the first... Like, I can't say company, but like entity, I've seen do this. Like, people just started using OnlyFans for just like regular content. So, I don't know if it's going to stick, but I I think Vice is A, they try to be controversial. So, this makes sense, but I just, I think they know exactly what they're doing. And I'll just leave it at that. All right. And on to our segment segments here today. We've got one called Get Well Soon. And it goes out to Bill Sawaski, who had a stroke recently, a cornerstone in the SEO industry. If you want to learn more, Barry Schwartz has a fantastic article and that has 
what Barry does a lot of times is, is help people when they're down. And he put up a website where people can say how Bill Sawaski has helped you. You can go contribute, give him a little bit of cheer in his day. And Barry is just the best. And Bill has helped so many people as well. So head on over there and make his holiday season. Thanks, Barry. And thanks, Bill. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I'm sure like I'm not the only person experiencing this um, during the pandemic, but it, for some reason, just started affecting my accounts recently, where in display campaigns, in YouTube campaigns, I'm getting a lot of people's kids. And I'm getting <laughs> ads that are supposed to be for SaaS products <laughs> showing up on Peppa Pig videos. <laughs> and it's really becoming a problem because I'm getting the most like insane form submissions of these kids accidentally clicking on these ads. And it's not even helping with brand awareness because they're <laughs> children. And it's just gotten really insane. And I can't keep up with just mining placements and excluding on my own. So I was like, who out there has good exclusion lists that I can just borrow? And I found on the Clicks Marketing blog, um, also assisted by Julie Pacini, Ryan Mower, and Tanya Kalatis, um, a list of YouTube channels for kids that you can exclude from your um, YouTube campaigns. Um, it's from 2018, so it might I don't know if they've been keeping it updated, um, but it was a pretty extensive list. So it's a great place to start if you're just trying to get rid of those kids' channels in the mix that are part of our pandemic work-from-home reality. And Jess, what's going on with your accounts? Mine is a quickie this week from Google Search Console. The change of address feature requires you to be a site owner, which makes total sense. I have no gripe with that. But all it says in there is that you need to be an owner. But they don't tell you if there's a difference between being a verified owner and a delegated owner. And my experience this week is that being a delegated owner is not enough. You cannot submit a change of address in Search Console. You must be a verified owner in order to do that. So I know this isn't something that people use a lot, but when you do use it, you're going to need to know this. So file it away in the, the Search Console nuggets for later. What about you, Greg? Well, for me, we've got a client that was launching a podcast and anchor.fm is just so simple. And we, Spotify bought them, I believe in 2020 here, and they will distribute it across the board to Google Podcasts, to Apple Podcasts. And if you're sitting on the edge thinking, I need a podcast, or I need another podcast, I only have seven, I need an eighth, you might try Anchor. It is so easy and so simple to use. There's monetization, and we still use it. We contemplated leaving it, but... We are still there. So this is powered by Anchor, and it makes life easy. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. 
This week's cool tool is a timely one. It's Facebook advertising and iOS 14, a guide and what to tell clients from Foxwell Digital. And if you're running Facebook ads, you need to check this one out, folks. Not only have they collected a must read, a list of must reads on the topic, but the guide also includes a list of actions to take to get ready for the coming change, which is awesome, like verifying your domain with Facebook, proactively analyzing conversion delay ahead of time. And they also have a nice email template that you can send to clients or internal stakeholders to explain the iOS 14 changes and what they mean for Facebook ads, which is a true holiday gift because I hate writing those emails. And for you people saying this isn't a tool, sorry, they made a copy paste that you can send to your clients. Yeah. I'm calling that a tool. It's amazing. It really is. It's a great bookmark to keep handy while we're all weathering the storm. So grab the link from our show notes or head on over to foxwelldigital.com slash blog and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from BFF of the Show 2020, Glenn Gabe. And Glenn has put out one part of his fabulous core update recaps the best in the biz, the best in the industry on the algorithm updates and what it means, not just some of the movement. And he talks about the fact that we waited nearly seven months, but it finally arrived and right in the middle of the holiday shopping season. Thank you, Glenn. Confirmed it. <laughs> I know that John Mueller said it wasn't that. Get out of here. It's December 3rd. I'm with, I'm with Glenn. And Google rolled out another Broadcore update on December 3rd, as we expected, and it was a huge update. Glenn has a table of contents to this thing. Because it's so happy, and this is just part one. He talks about the rollout and timing, Google Goldilocks and the holiday shopping season, tremors and reversals, alternative medicine impact, e-commerce movement, online games, lyrics, coupons, anything you want to know about this update. This is, again, the cornerstone. Like we talked about content earlier, nobody does better content than Glenn. And if there's one blog, if you're a tech, an SEO in general, it's, it's Glenn's blog. So check it out. And one little note in there that I thought that was funny, he said, before we move forward, a quick disclaimer, and Glenn is very serious. I do not work for Google. I do not have access to Google's core ranking algorithm. I do not dress up as a FedEx employee and try to force myself into Gary Lyle's home to commandeer his laptop holding all of Google's secrets. Are you sure? Because who else did that? That's a great idea. <laughs> I know. I know that. <laughs> Gary! Very descriptive. He's like, I'm not doing this, but if you want to, you exactly what you should do. Amazing. Gary, if there's a FedEx person in there, it wasn't real. Uh, but definitely check it out over on G Squared. They were from UPS. <laughs> <laughs> All right, G Squared Interactive. It is gsqi.com and definitely subscribe. Thank you, Glenn. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. All right, and this week... We are going to play everybody's favorite game.
two kinds of people. Yeah. Where we talk about something and you're either one kind of person. It's binary. There's no in between. <laughs> and so first off, and this is holiday themed, by the way. So, oh, just in time for the holidays. <laughs> there are two kinds of people. People that like gumdrops and people that like spice drops. Two kinds of people, what are you? I don't like either one, but since it's binary, spice drops. Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat as Joss. I hate like fruity candy. Yeah. Like anything like that. Like if I'm eating something sweet, I want it to be like also bitter. Like I want like a dark chocolate or like a coffee type thing. So I'm also going to say spice drops because just I'd say gumdrops because every now and then there's one spice drop that really sucks and I always forget what it is and you reach in there and you take it and it's like a blast of cloves and nutmeg or something. Why is this gummy? This is terrible. But like, aren't they cinnamon? I thought they were cinnamon. Maybe I don't know what they are. Because you you have cinnamon, you have like licorice, licorice. So I love spearmint and licorice like a lot, like those flavors. But then there's one that's like you just mix every single spice in your cabinet, pour it into one. It's the yellow one. It's disgusting. Whatever it is, it's yellow. It's it's gross. Sign me out. It tastes like the plain listerine. Okay, there's two kinds of people. And again, we've got a bunch of different different things going on, but two kinds of people. Person that has a Christmas, if you have a Christmas tree, so we'll put it at that. You put a tree in the front of your house. It has to be in the front of the house in a window or you're the kind of person that doesn't care about that. I am a front window, but I think that's heavily influenced. That's how I grew up. And like we had, we have like a, my parents, their house is like a mid-century modern style. And they have these absurd vaulted ceilings with these like really tall windows. So we had to have a fake Christmas tree growing up. So it'd be big enough. So we had like a 12 foot tall Christmas tree (laughs) that would go in our front window. And we also put it on a platform. So it's another two feet higher. Wow. And having to decorate that thing. So you need to show that off. That's not being hidden. (laughs) That needs to be seen from the street. That's fair enough. I don't, my house isn't built for it. Like our living space is on the back of the house. So that's where we put the trees. That's where we hang. But do you put one in the front so people see? I wish we could. I wish like we were driving through a fancy neighborhood just to look at the lights that all these like people with lots of money and time decorated. <laughs> and every single house had that front window tree. And I just looked at my husband. And I said, Chris, someday we could have a house with a front window tree. So like I think I'm a closet front window tree person. I'm a hard no front window tree. Really? Yeah. You Scrooge? You don't no, want to spread I just, cheer? I don't want people looking at my stuff. Your Christmas tree? But it's, it's not like it's your private possession. Yeah, what, what are you, iOS 14? Did you just do like a really bad stuff? job decorating it? I let you my kids decorate everything. It? It's a great job. Do your I mean, kids want people to see it? Well, you, to see everything, you have to go down to about the one to two foot area from the floor. <laughs> I, I think what you should do next year is whoever wins the NASCAR game gets to decide where the tree goes. Ooh, there you go. right. High stakes. All right. Next up on this holiday theme, there are people that like rum balls and people that hate rum balls. What's a rum ball? I can't say I've ever had one. Really? Are you ready to rum ball? <laughs> you never had one of those weird balls with like Captain Morgan in it? Oh, I think my someone gave those to my dad for Christmas, like dropped them off. And they're like, these need to be refrigerated. And someone said they're rum balls. I've literally never had one. I, yeah. I, I don't it? know. I do not. I know we said this is binary, but I literally <laughs> don't know. Well, you've, you've made the right choice because they shouldn't be refrigerated. They should be evacuated from your house. <laughs> Are they not good? No, it's disgusting. It tastes like Captain Morgan in a gross cookie. 
Like, I don't want that. I don't want a... Yeah, I'd rather have it with, like, Diet Coke. No, I don't want a, a <laughs> tequila lime pie. I don't want that. Just give me a, a spiced cookie. I don't need booze in it. All right, next up. I mean, if that's the criteria. People that like candy canes, people that don't. Who doesn't like a candy cane? Me. I don't. So I will eat them to be festive, but, like, I really don't like hard candy. It's the candy corn of Christmas. Okay, but that's where well, you're, no, no, like, no, no. candy corn's I amazing. Go, I wouldn't go that far. Because I think candy canes taste good. I don't think, like, candy corn tastes anything. And the texture of candy canes is better. I just really don't care for hard candy. Um, but definitely candy canes are much better than candy corn. I, I d- First the of logistics all. of a candy cane. So whoever created it is a, oh, you end it up has with a handle. You end up with a sticky face, yeah, and hands. But and that's when you it's like when you get to be like seven years old and you realize you can keep the wrapper partially on. I would venture that eighty yeah. percent of candy canes are thrown out, which is sad and wrong and wasteful. But like they but have true. those nice rainbow <laughs> ones and then the black cherry ones. And you guys have no okay. Christmas spirit. Well, lastly here. Two kinds of people. When your lights, a light goes off in a string, do you fix it or do you give up? Oh, I am the person, I go through the entire strand and I push each one in to make sure that none of them are loose. And so that way I know that it's like what's wrong. So like sometimes you need to replace the fuse on the light. Sometimes you need to just push the bulb in. You need to replace the bulb. So you're so replacing. I am that replacer. Per- I am. I am like... The far, if you're on a spectrum, I'm like far all the way at that end to like do the work before because I'm not wasteful. I hate wasting things. And I also, why buy new lights if you can fix your existing ones? Jess. I agree with Clark Griswold over here, <laughs> but I'm not the one that has to do it at my house. I can just be like, can you go fix that? It's bothering me. But why, yeah, why be wasteful? But also, like, if one little light is out, the whole string is ruined, fix it. The rest of it still looks good. See, I get like half strings. And I've tried to pull them out. Oh my gosh. I've tried half to fix things. Drive me crazy. It's insane. Oh, like half of it's out. Yeah. So oh. I don't throw it out. That's I, different. I keep it on. I've tried. I crack. I've cracked so many of those stupid little bulbs in my life with pliers trying to pull them oh, out. Oh, I've accidentally stepped them. on them. Yeah, I've stepped on them. And I've got kids, and I'm just at the point. I'm just like a hard. I don't try to replace it anymore. I keep the half light up, and then I get the new light, and I put it around, and now I have one and a half lights. That's what I do. So you <laughs> give up and you leave it hanging on your house? I, I, I do not fix. I'm a non-fixer. Feel but like, you leave it up. I feel. Like, yeah, I don't throw it out. Okay, so I feel like that's breaking the binder. I feel like that's in the middle. Uh, touche. It's the season of giving. Let him <laughs> <laughs> we tried, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>